Amen. Again, let me invite your attention to Jonah chapter 3, an opportunity to do life differently. If you play golf, uh, you're not going to do this in competition, but if you're there with your buddies and some friends of yours, you get to the first tee and you don't hit such a good shot, here's what they'll say. Why don't you take a mulligan? Hit another one. Do it. It's a do-over shot. You get to do it again. It's always good. If you didn't hit a good shot the first time, you get to do it again. What about life? What if you don't do so well? At one point, is there a do-over? Is there an opportunity to take a mulligan? I would imagine there are many of us today would say, well, if I had the opportunity, I sure would love to do life differently. And then we would spell out what that would be and why we would say that. One of the things that I enjoy doing, and I've done this many, many times over the years with so many pastors, especially pastors who have served 30, 40, 50 years in the gospel ministry, and being around these men and just asking them to say, now, if you had the opportunity of doing ministry again, start over. What would you do differently? How would you use your time differently? How would you steward ministry differently? And when I talk to those men, 30, 40, 50 years in ministry, most of them are going to say really the same things. It's going to come down to really about three things most of them would say. If I, if I was going to do it again, have a do-over, start over again, here's what I would do differently. Number one, they would all say, I would study and pray more than I did before. I'd spend more time in God's Word and I'd spend more time having a conversation with him. Second thing they say is this, I would spend more time with my family and I would use the vacation days that have been allotted to me. I would take advantage of them. I wouldn't leave them on the table. And then the third thing they say, pretty much every single one of them, and they would say this, I would spend less times in meetings if I had to do it again. I'd spend more time studying and praying, spend more time with my family, taking vacation days, using them, and I would spend less time in meetings, but keeping the main thing the main thing. And again, I imagine for us, there, there are people who are looking at life and saying, it feels like I failed myself. It feels like I failed my family, and it even feels like at times I've failed God. Is there an opportunity to do life differently for me? Here's the question. Is there hope for someone? Is there hope for someone who's lived self-centered rather than God-centered in life? I mean, you may be 40, 50, 60 years old. And you look at your life, and most of your life has been about you. It's not been about him. Is there an opportunity for you to do life differently? Is there hope for someone who looks at his or her marriage family and says, we are steps from splitting apart, going different ways. Is there any hope for us? Can we start again, do life differently? Is there any hope for a church that has been very inward focused rather than outward focused? And so the focus hasn't been reaching the community, hasn't been reaching the nations, as the Great Commission says, it's been about just inward. Is there any hope for that church so that they can turn outward and fulfill the Great Commission the Lord has given us? Is there any hope for that local congregation? I want you to make sure you understand this. Aren't you thankful this morning that you and I know and serve and worship a Heavenly Father who is the father of a second chance. Yeah. And he, he, he's going to give us an opportunity many times to do a second chance, but for many of us, it's a third chance, fourth chance, fifth chance, sixth chance. He's that kind of heavenly father. 
Let's review just for a moment Jonah chapter 1. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah and says, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah, not like Isaiah, Isaiah said, Lord, hear my, you send me. Jonah said, Lord, hear my, don't send me. And so Jonah runs the other way, gets on a ship. He finds himself at the lowest point of that ship, really. He's asleep. Finally, the sailors trying to figure out what in the world is going on with the storm. They figured out it's Jonah, so they come to him and they throw him overboard. And you know the story. Finally, this large fish eats him, swallows him up, and he's inside the belly of this fish three days, three nights. Jonah chapter 2, he has a conversation with God, asking God to change his life and even set him free from that fish. At the end of Jonah chapter 2, you know the fish vomits him up on dry land. And finally in Jonah chapter 3, Jonah's getting ready to go to Nineveh and we're going to see God do an incredible thing. Jonah had the opportunity to do life differently. And here's what we know from chapters 1 and 2 leading into chapter 3. If you run from God, it will cost you. If you pray to God, he will change you. And if you obey God, he will use you. Now, that's very clear from the story of Jonah. You run from him, the consequences are severe. You have a conversation with him, and his ears are listening to you, and he'll change your life. And then you obey him, and he will open doors and use you only as God could do. That's the grace of our Heavenly Father. So the outline is very simple today. It's not complicated, very, very simple, but I want you to write some things down. Some things I'm going to give you, not only your outline, but I want you to pay attention to these. Look at number one, God speaks. As you and I think about this story in Jonah chapter 3, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time. In Jonah chapter 1, God speaks into his life, asks him to go to Nineveh. He runs the other way. Finally, God has his attention again. The word of the Lord comes a second time. I would encourage you out to the side of that. When you see in the biblical text, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Just write out on your outline the word grace. That is the grace of God on display right there. When the word of the Lord comes to you a second time, a third time, fourth time, fifth time, that is the grace of God on display in your life as well. Now you say, well, how does God speak? Here's how God speaks to you and me in our day. He's going to use the word of God primarily through scripture. This is the inspired word of God. We believe from Genesis to Revelation, this is an errant, infallible, the authoritative word of God. And so God's going to speak through his word. He's going to speak through prayer. As you and I have a conversation with him, he's going to speak through the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of us who are believers. He's going to use circumstances to speak into our lives. And then he's going to use godly people to speak into our lives as well. God speaks to you and me. He still speaks. There are folks, understand this in Jonah chapter 3, who look at life and say, I'm not for sure God could ever use me because I've lived so many of my years outside of the will of God, or I failed him, I failed my family, I failed myself in so many ways. Surely God's going to pull the rug of opportunity out from under me. But please understand from Jonah 3, you're going to realize this, the word grace. God is a God of grace, he's a God of mercy, and he's a God of love. That's the message Jonah is going to receive from Jonah chapter 3. He disobeyed God, but God's still going to use him. It was like his little boy one day. He was going to go outside and play, and his father said to him, you can go outside and play, but you are not to get in the pond. 
He said, I'm not going to get in the pond. He said, I just want to go outside and play. And so he goes out and plays, and he comes back, and his hair is wet, but his clothes aren't wet. And so he comes back, and his father said, son, I thought I told you not to get in the pond and play and swim. He said, I, I, didn't, I didn't get in. I fell in. And so his father said, well, it's strange to me. How did you fall in? Because your hair is wet, but your clothes aren't wet. And the young boy said, I had a hunch I was going to fall in, so I took my clothes off. And uh, Jonah running from the Lord. But God has found him again, and the word of the Lord comes to him a second time. I want you to write these down. Number one, believe God's not finished. When you look at this text, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message I will tell you. God was not finished with the runaway prophet Jonah. Still had a work for him to do. God had called him to go to Nineveh. He had run from God, but God's also going to give him a second chance. God was not finished with his life. Now, here's the good news. God's not finished with your life either. Uh, I know, and I've had the opportunity of meeting many of these people, and I appreciate them. There are people who are homebound and shut in. They would love to be here physically if they could. They just can't do it. And I meet them almost every week who say, we watch online or we watch on, on local television stations. And, and sometimes they say, I don't know why God still has me here. I can't do much. But I want you to know, as long as you have breath, you're homebound, you're shut in. Here's the good news. God is not finished with you either. And you're here this morning and you have life and he's still at work in your life. God's not finished with you. For those who are homebound, who are shut in, physically can't be here, we thank the Lord that you pray for us by name. You call us out to the Heavenly Father. You ask blessings on this church. And you ask God to change the lives of people. He is still using you. He's not finished with you. And he's not finished with you and me either. As we look at Jonah, again, God was going to send him to Nineveh. We look in the Bible, we see Adam and Eve. They sinned against God, but what happened? An animal was sacrificed. God covered them and forgave them and continued to use them. Moses murdered a man. But what did God do? God forgave him and God used Moses as his servant. Look at the life of David. David, a man after God's own heart, committed adultery and murder to cover that up. But he confessed his sin and God forgave him and God used him. Look at the life of Peter, one of Jesus' inner circles. Uh, individuals there. And here Peter is again, denying that he knew the Lord by a campfire. The Lord forgave him and the Lord used him mightily in the book of Acts. John Mark, a relationship with the Apostle Paul. They had some tension. They had some disagreement. Barnabas wanted to use him. John Mark, or Paul didn't want to use John Mark. But finally, toward the end of Paul's life, under the grace of God and the forgiveness of God, that, that relationship had been reconciled. And what did Paul say? Bring John Mark because he's useful for me in ministry. God is not finished with them, and he wasn't, and he's not finished with you and me. Believe God's still got a great work for you to do in life. Believe he's not done with your life. God, some of the best days of your life, the best days of your ministry can be yet to come. God is not finished with you. Number two, look for God's direction. Jonah chapter 3, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. wasn't finished with him. And here's what he said. Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city. Call out against it the message that I will tell you. God gave him clear direction. And here was the direction. Jonah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Nineveh, a great city. Why was Nineveh great? It says that two times in Jonah chapter 3, this great city. Nineveh was great for two reasons. One, because of size. It was a large metropolitan city. But secondly, it was great because of sin. It was a big city. 
But there was a lot of sin in that city as well. I want you to go to the great city, Direction, and here's what I want you to do when you get there. I want you to proclaim the message that I'm going to give you. Jonah, you're going to go there. You're not going to make up your own message. You're not going to craft your own sermon. I'm going to give you what to speak. I'm going to give you what to preach. It's going to be my message. And I want you to go there. I'm giving you direction. Go to Nineveh and then preach and proclaim the message that I'm going to give you. Here's the interesting part for us. Believe God's not finished with us. He's still using us. But somewhere we've got to be willing to proclaim, God, this is where you're leading me to go, the direction you want me to go. But here's what you want me to do when I get there. And God is going to lead us to share the gospel with people, but also to preach and to teach his message to people who need to hear a word from God. That's how God works. Are you sharing the gospel? Are you sharing the message of God with other people around you? Romans chapter 1 verse 16, what did Paul say? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Paul said what? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Are you and I ashamed of the gospel? Are we silent about the gospel? You and I should not be silent about the gospel. Why? Because we were dead and now we're alive. You and I shouldn't be silent about the gospel because we were lost and now we're saved. You and I shouldn't be silent about the gospel because we were headed to eternity in hell, but now because of the grace of God, we have eternity in heaven assured with him. We should not be silent about the gospel. And so here Paul is, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Jonah, in Jonah chapter 3, go into this great city because of sin and size. And what is he doing? He is going to proclaim the message of God to those people. Here's the good news about our church. And I thank God for this. When it comes to preaching, when it comes to sharing the message of God, please understand, and nowhere has God called us to preach psychology. Nowhere has God called us to preach self-help to people. But he has called us to preach the infallible, inerrant word of God in the lives of people. And so I am grateful our church is a Bible church. What do I mean by that? You go to a connect group, you're going to hear the word of God. You come to this worship gathering from this pulpit, you will hear the word of God. We are serious about going where God wants us to go, and we are serious about preaching what God wants us to preach. And that is the word of God. And so God is not finished with us. He's going to give us direction. You go to this city, and here's what I want you to tell them. Number three, obey what God says. Notice what this, the text here again in Jonah chapter 3. Go to the great city, share against it the message I'm going to tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Finally, he gets to Nineveh. He, he's run. He's been cast overboard. He's inside the belly of this fish. He prays and asks God for deliverance. God's word comes to him a second time. And finally, he's on his way to Nineveh. He's going to share the message of God the way God has called him to do. He's going to obey what God says. He is the God of a second chance. Kids, students, adults, I want you to lean in. As we worship the Lord together today, as we come together in this room, as we watch online, God is so gracious to you and me, He's so merciful to you and me, so loving to you and me. Here's what I want to ask you personally from your heart to God's heart. 
What is God asking you to do today that he's given you another chance to obey him today? He's asked you before, but you've ran the other way. He's asked you before, but you delayed or procrastinated. He's asked you before, but much like Jonah, you said no rather than Isaiah who said, I'm willing to go. What is God asking you to do today? He's given you a second chance, third chance, fourth chance, fifth chance. What is God asking you to do today that you need to obey him? How many people today say, I've heard the call of salvation on my life. I know that I've sinned against him. I know I can't be saved on my own. I could never work to be saved. I could never buy enough to get saved. Only Jesus Christ will save me. And today he's given me another chance. I need to give my life to Jesus today. Is that you? What about baptism? He's asked you to be public in your relationship with him. He saved you weeks, months, years ago, but you've never stood in the baptismal waters saying that Jesus Christ has redeemed you and saved you. You're not ashamed of him. How many of you need to say he's given me chance after chance after chance. I've disobeyed, 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 but today is when I stop running and I run to do what God wants me to do. How many in this place again? Uh, You know God's called you to this church. This is to be your faith family. This is to be the people where you worship together and grow together and serve together. But you have walked out these doors Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, invitation after invitation after invitation. But today is when God says, I'm giving you another chance today to obey me. Will you obey the voice of God? And then God's calling many in the ministry. You don't know what all that means. You don't know what that looks like. But you just know the hand of God, the voice of God has spoken into your life. He wants you to serve him in Christian ministry. And you have, again, delayed, procrastinated, said, I'm not sure if I'm qualified for that. But today is the day you stop running and say, God, yes, I surrender my life to you. Is that you today? What is God asking you to do? And today is the day that you obey what God says in your life. God speaks. Look at number two, we obey. God speaks, we obey. Let me give you this number one. We're going to get to this quickly. The need is urgent. So as we look at this text here in Jonah chapter three, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. I want you to go to Nineveh, the great city, and I want you to proclaim the message I'm going to tell you. So Jonah arose, went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Three days journey in breath, Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. The need was urgent. Mass number of people, but lostness was on every side. John chapter 4, what did Jesus say to his followers? I want you to open your eyes and look at the fields. They are white unto harvest. The need is urgent. Why is the need urgent? Because the uncertainty of life. You and I are not guaranteed we're going to put our head down on the pillow tonight. You and I aren't guaranteed that we're going to be back in this worship center next Sunday morning. The need is urgent. So if you need to give your life to Christ, you need to obey him. The need is urgent. Not scaring you, just preaching the truth. The need is urgent. It was urgent then, it's urgent today. How many of us remember, and some of you weren't even born then, but in 1987, October the 14th, 1987, there was this 18-month-old baby, toddler, called Baby Jessica. How many of you remember that? Midland, Texas found herself, she fell in a well on her aunt's property. And for 56 hours, rescuers did everything they could to save that young girl's life. 
I mean, our nation was gripped with how are they going to save baby Jessica? How are they going to get her out of that well? We're not going to spare any expenses, money coming in from all over the world. What needs to be done to save this young girl's life? You know why they were doing that? They realized the need was urgent. She couldn't live in that well long. She had hours to live. Do you think they took a break in there somewhere? Do you think they called it off during the night? Absolutely not. They worked around the clock to save that young girl's life from that well in Midland, Texas. And then hallelujah for that moment on October the 16th, 1987, on a Friday night when she was rescued and pulled up out of that well, her life was spared and saved. Our nation rejoiced about that, literally around the world rejoicing that baby Jessica was alive and saved. Church, let me ask you. There are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people dying every single day. And they're dying without a relationship to Christ. And they're not going to spend eternity in a well. They're going to spend eternity in torment. And how many of us, we understand the need is urgent to get the gospel to people who are around us. Think about your family members. Think about your neighbors, your co-workers, people you're in school with. Think about people you're going to meet in this community in the next day or two. When you look someone in the eyes, you realize God loves that person and you should love that person. But that person, the need in his or her spiritual life is urgent. Are we living with urgency for the gospel of Christ? And I want to get real personal with you. Think about your kids. Do you have any kids who are outside of a relationship to Christ? Think about your grandkids. Do you have any grandkids who are outside of a relationship to Christ? What is your urgency to see your kids and grandkids saved? And we think about our church. And we think about what God's doing in our church. And you think about what is, what is this church going to be like in 2040, 2050. We're going, to, we're going to leave it to kids and grandkids. What kind of church do we want to leave behind? That's why we need to understand the need is urgent. Jonah understood that. God was sending him to this great city, Nineveh, because the need was urgent. He's still calling you and me. The need around us is urgent. People need Jesus in life. And are we going to be and live with urgency to get the gospel to them? Number two, the word is effective. You, you look at this text. Jonah goes to Nineveh. He goes into that great city. He says, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Do you think the word of God is effective? I promise you, and you know this, that the word of God is not going to return void. God's always going to accomplish his purpose. The Bible is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. This book, the word of God, is God-breathed. It is true. His word is effective. And so if God ever calls you to preach, you need to make sure you preach with the right spirit. You should never preach unless God's called you to do so. When you preach the word of God, you should always understand the responsibility of preaching and teaching God's word. I was in James chapter 3 reading in my devotion this morning. Not many of you should presume to be teachers. Why? Because you're going to be judged more strictly because of that. There is a high responsibility to open the word of God and teach and preach scripture. But also there's a dependency on that. When God calls you to preach, there's a great responsibility, but you can't preach and teach the word of God out of the flesh. It has to be done out of the spirit. 
John chapter 15, apart from me, you can do nothing, but with me, you can do all things. I don't want to preach or teach any message of God out of the flesh. I want to make sure I do it in the power of the Holy Spirit in life. So God, give me recall, remembrance, and new insight. God, give me freedom, liberty, and anointing from your spirit. Why? Because I know your word is effective. It will not return void. God, use this message to bring glory and honor to you. Because the word is effective. And so Jonah goes to the great city of Nineveh. He preaches the message of God just as God told him. And what happened with that? And the people of Nineveh believed God. And it said they call for a fast and they put on sackcloth. God is reaping fruit in the city of Nineveh. It says they believe God. God, what you said is true. They call for a fast. There are benefits to fasting in the spiritual life. But they also put on sackcloth. You're not going to buy that at Dillard's or somewhere else. But they're going to put it on. What is the sign of that? It's a sign of repentance in their lives. I mean, they'd been living wicked, away from God. God sends his servant into this great city of Nineveh. He preaches the very message of God that God said. And then there's this great outpouring repentance in the city of Nineveh. The word of God is effective. How many of us as a church, how many of us need to find ourselves repenting of our sin? I pastored a church one time, divided, split apart in so many ways. They had some sin in their lives. And, and so I was sitting down one day with a leader and I said, have you guys ever confessed that sin and repented of it? And he said, we blamed a lot of people, but we haven't repented of anything. And I said, if you want to see the move of God in this church, and you want to see the activity of God. You want to see his spirit change the lives of people. There needs to be an outpouring of repentance from the people of God in this church. And then God's going to move when that happens. So Jonah goes to them and preaches the message of God. They believe God. They call for a fast, evidence that their lives changing. And then they put on sackcloth. They are repenting of their sin. Number three, the gospel is relevant. When you look at the word of God, it's relevant. Who's it relevant for? It's relevant for all people. They called to fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Here's how wonderful the gospel is. I don't care if you, left, if you slept on the streets last night or if you sleep in a multi-million dollar house. The gospel is the same for both of those individuals. When Jesus Christ went to a cross and gave his life, shed his blood, died a horrific death, victorious over the death of the grave. Listen, he, he loves the greatest to the least. He loves those who have the most to nothing. Jesus Christ died for every single person on the planet. That's how amazing the gospel is. The gospel is relevant. And then it's interesting when you look at this, you go on down and it says the word reached the king of Nineveh as well. And he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. It not only changed just the common people in, in Nineveh, even the king got changed as well. In my pastoral ministry, uh, Ains and I voted the other day. We encourage you to do the same thing. It's the right thing to do. It's a civil responsibility, and we have the privilege of living in this great nation, and we get to do that. So we encourage you to exercise your right to do that. But as we did that the other night, and I was standing there in the ballot box, here's what I realized. God, I realized that our salvation is not coming through the White House. Our salvation is coming through God's house where the gospel is proclaimed with truth and conviction. We know that. 
Now, now we, we want to vote and do all those things, but we need to see people repent and turn from their sin, whether it be politicians, business people, people in ministry, that there would be an outpouring of confession and repentance, and we would see God move in this nation again. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see politicians and business people repenting of their sin, getting right with God, confessing sin, coming to Christ, seeing their lives change? Then we would see a move of God in our country. It happened in Nineveh. It can happen in the United States as well. But we must be willing, again, to preach the truth of God's word. The gospel is relevant. He'll change the lives of people, the greatest of the least, and even the king. Number three, people change. As you look at this text, you're going to find that people changed dramatically. Let, let me give you these three statements. Number one, God loves people. When you look at the people of Nineveh, they were wicked, they were sinful. It was a great city because of sin and size, but God loved those people. As you look around to your right and left and you see people who are in front of you and behind you, many of them you know, some of them you don't know, God loves every single one of us in this worship center. And wherever you're watching from around the world, the good news is Almighty God loves you as well. Doesn't make difference how much money you have. Doesn't make any difference the color of your skin. Doesn't make any difference what you have done or not done. Almighty God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you. It's the message of the word of God. Number two, God changes lives. We don't change anybody. God's the one who changes the lives of people. The people in Nineveh were changed, not because of Jonah. Jonah obeyed God, but God changed their lives. You and I obey God. We share the gospel. We don't save a single person. Jesus is the one who saves. God is the one who changes our lives. If God can change the people in Nineveh, he can change your life and my life. So God loves people. God changes lives. Number three, God receives glory. When you read Jonah chapter 3... And you finally come to the end when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil way and he relented the disaster he had said he would do and he did not do it. It was all for the glory of God that he changed their lives. Listen to this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31. The Bible says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So what does it say? So, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Church, church, I, I want to preach the word of God for not merely your applause, but I want to preach the word of God for his glory. I want to pastor this church. I appreciate your encouragement, your prayers, your support, but I want to pastor this church for the glory of God. When I think about Loving Angie as, as a faithful husband, I want to do that, yes, because that's a commitment we made in marriage, but I want to do that for the glory of God in life. You know why I don't use profanity in life? Because I can't do it for the glory of God. You know why I don't gamble in life? I can't do that for the glory of God in life. You know why I don't drink alcohol or use drugs in life? I can't do that for the glory of God. I want to make sure everything I do in life is for the glory of God in life. 
And so whether, whatever you drink, whatever you, whatever you eat, do it all for the glory of God. In Nineveh, in Jonah chapter 3, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord a second time, goes to Nineveh, preaches the message of God. This mass repentance happens, and it's all for the glory and the greatness of God. When we come to this invitation, and we're going to ask you in an invitation to give your life to Christ, We're going to ask you in this invitation to follow him in believer's baptism. We're going to ask you in this invitation to join the fellowship of this church. And then we're going to ask you in this invitation that if he's calling you to ministry or to a second chance in some way, we're asking you to obey him. Come to Jesus. Let him change your life. Use you and make a difference in your life and the lives of other people. We give an invitation, not because, again, look how many people responded. We do that for the glory of God in life. And so I want, to, I want you to lean in. I want you to understand. Today in this worship center, or you're watching online, you need to give your life to Christ. You, you, need, to be, you need to be baptized biblically in obedience to him. You need to join the fellowship of this church. You need to say yes to what God's calling you to do, that you've delayed, procrastinated, or run the other way. We're encouraging and inviting you to obey him. Let him use you to bring change not only to your life, but to the lives of other people. And his amazing grace is so great. The chains that have been binding you up can be loosed, and you can walk out of there, you can log off as a free individual today because of the grace of God. That's how amazing he is. And that's what we're asking you to do to obey him. So let's bow together, and I'm going to pray. And then this morning as I pray, our pastoral team is going to be here. Our prayer people are going to be here. You're watching online. You can respond to us whatever platform you're watching on. We'll respond back to you as well. But but he's given you a second chance, a third chance. What is he asking you to do? And how today do you need to obey him to say, yes, I'll go to Nineveh. I'll go here. I'll go there. I'll do this. I'll do that. Yes, Lord. My yes is on the table. I'll do what you're asking obey him today so father thank you for amazing grace thank you that when we run from you we find ourselves in bondage but thank you that your grace is so amazing today we can leave free my chains are gone and i pray that'll be the case today in this invitation in the room and those who are watching lord jesus we come to you set us free and change us and thank you for grace mercy and love and i pray this today in jesus name amen